You're on. <laughs> okay, the parasha is Vayigash. This parasha is, you know, for people who are interested in, in uh, literary analysis, is easily the most interesting parasha in the Torah. That's just to say that. But so, like, erase it. Um, right, there's a competition. There's a tough competition. Competition. But which is the most interesting? No, this is a, this is a, the human interaction level. This is the most interesting. So this is what we'll pick apart. I mean, everything, every pasuk is uh, is very very serious. But it, it, we'll start from the time when Yosef is going to identify himself to his brothers. It's not clear to me why it took Yosef so long. His brother showed up. Why didn't he just tell them who he was? And why didn't he just get to the end right away? Why did you need go back again and, and, and cheat? Uh, they thought they were cheating on the money and then they brought it back and then he sent them back again. It was a little bit too complicated at first. I mean, but we're going to start from, from uh, Perik Memhei. Pergamon Hay is where Yosef identifies himself to his brothers. Right? So the, the story starts, Velo Yechol Yosef Litapek. Litapek in, in modern Hebrew would mean something like he couldn't hold it in. He couldn't maintain the, the, the charade that he was just a king in Egypt. So he says, Lo Yechol Yosef Litapek. Now the word Nitzavim in the Chumash is an important world. It doesn't just mean standing, but it means a standing with a kind of permanence. Right? When Moshe Rabbeinu says to B'nai Yisrael at the end of his 120 years or 40 years in the desert, he says, Atem Nitzavim Hayom Bashem. You are standing. Meaning that uh, there's a kind of permanence to your agreement with HaKadosh Baruch We call an agreement with HaKadosh Baruch a Brit, a covenant. So, that's, so here that word is used. It's hard not to uh, think in terms of that other word, Nitzavim. He says, V'lo yechol Yosef litapek, l'chol ha-Nitzavim alav. Vayikra, vayikra. And Yosef said, Hotsiyu kol ishme alai. Hotsiyu kol ishme alai. I want everybody out. I want everybody to go away. Velo amad ish ito. And no man stood with him, meaning none of his men, all of whom were Egyptians. So when he said, when he said to them, Hotsiyu kol ishme alai, he must have said that in a language they understood. He spoke to them in Egyptian, and later on he's going to speak to his brothers in, in Hebrew. But here he's speaking in Egyptian. And no one stood with him, right? Nitzavim, they're standing. And he says to them, no, go away. No standing. Bitvada Yosef El Echav. Hitvada. Hitvada, when he made himself known to them, right? Hitvada, the root, not that that matters necessarily, but the root is Yud Dalet Ayin, right? The word Yodah, 
which appears in the Hit Pa'el in a funny way. Right? Hit Vada, the Yud becomes a Vav. That happens sometimes in, in Hebrew. When Yosef made himself known to them, to his brothers, Rashi says, Rashi. You see the Rashi to Aleph? He could not stand. He could not suffer. We would say, that they would be Egyptians standing fast above him or facing him, in, and they would hear, Now that's the first time the use of the word mit by shim appears in the story. Rashi puts it in. What does the word mit by shim mean? to be embarrassed. Now what does the word embarrassed mean? That's a story. So we'll get to that in a minute. That she, she, he did not want his announcement to his brothers to cause them the embarrassment of finding out that Yosef was their brother in a, within a group of Egyptians. That the Egyptians would see their embarrassment Right? And so he started to cry. Right? He started to cry. He, Yosef, started to cry. What is Yosef crying about? There's a non sequitur, if that ever was one. He's in a room in his house crying. And then the continuation is. Mitzrayim. And the, all of Egypt heard Vayishma Beit Paro. I mean, you'd think it's the opposite, but okay. Vayishmu called Mitzrayim. All of Egypt heard the crying coming from the house of Paro, of, of Yosef. Vayishma Beit Paro. And it even penetrated into the house of Paro. You know, I mean, very important people are, like protect themselves from, uh, from un unhappy moments. They're not involved. But this unhappy moment was known to everybody. All the Egyptians, all the people in the house of Paro. Um, we don't understand why he cried. Rashi says, Beito shel Paro, that's what the Pasuk says. It was the how there was also, it was heard in the house of Paro, Klomar, Avadav ubnei beito, not the house, the building, but the people who are in the house, in the, in the building. mamash. This doesn't mean a house, a building. That's how we say it in Hebrew. We say the people of Israel, referring people, by is Beit Yisrael. So Beit Paro are all the people who had some connection to Paro. Okay? And now we have the remarkable announcement by Yosef. Vayomer Yosef el Echav, Ani Yosef haod avi chai. 
which is the most telling statement, I think, in this story. Yosef says to his brothers, Ani Yosef, and he should have stopped. That was the, you know, the most remarkable thing he could say. Ani Yosef, they didn't know, they didn't have a clue. They didn't have any idea that he was Yosef. Why does Yosef say, Ha'od Avi Chai? Is my father still alive? It should not have been said in the same phrase. As part of the same phrase, it should have been said afterwards. I'm Yosef. That's that's a big thing. That's a major announcement. What does Ha'od Avi Chai mean in this in this context? Velo yachlu echad not oto. And the brothers were not able to respond because they were afraid. So, of course, I have to figure out why were they afraid? And why does being afraid mean they couldn't respond? I mean, it was a simple question, not a complicated question. So what is, what is it that they can't, why can't they answer? Why can't they do whatever it is they're supposed to be doing? So, so Rashi, Rashi says, You see that Rashi? So I got stuck in there. They were afraid. They were afraid. And Rashi makes this programmatic statement. Right? This is the second time that Rashi used that word, busha. Of course, what busha are they talking, is Rashi referring to or referencing? It's the busha of selling Yosef. In, in, in other words, when Yosef announced that he was Yosef, the brothers, all they could think about was that what they had done is coming to haunt them is going to haunt them, is going to be... Uh... So that's the, that's the busha. That's the busha. I guess. Okay? We'll see that there are other possibilities. Pasuk Dalit says, Vayova Yosef Elechav Geshuna Eliva Yigashu Yosef says to his brothers, come close to me, and they did so. They came close to him. He starts over again, and he leaves out this time. What does he leave out the second time? He tells the story, He goes to emphasize their issue. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, what doesn't he say? He doesn't say that the second time. So they're two, like, they're two stories. They're two stories which we will, just, just one more, one more, uh, uh, one more pasuk. Rashi says, Gishuna Eli. Gishuna, come close to me. Ra'a otam nisogim lachorehem. He saw them moving back away from him. They, the brothers, were moving away from Yosef. 
because they realize that that something terrible might happen to them. I mean, here's the king who was treated poorly by his brothers, and he's announcing, he's announcing that he's the king, and he obviously remembers everything that happened. So Rashi says, they, they started retreating, falling back. They were falling back. Amar, achshav achai nichlamim. It says, now my brothers are embarrassed. Karalahem bilishon rakavetachanonim. He called out to them in a mild uh, voice and, and uh, a prayer, praying or, or being, uh, uh, besieging them. They're alahem shehu and he showed them that he was circumcised. Oh, what does that mean? I mean, of course he was circumcised. He said, Adni Yosef. So what, why did he show them that he was circumcised? Because they didn't believe him? They didn't believe him. But he was speaking to them in Hebrew. And if he's speaking to them in Hebrew, it's not, well, probably, uh, you know, going to Ulpan in Egypt is not, you know, probably the best, the best option. But why didn't they believe him? And why was it that if he showed them that Shehu Mahul, according to Rashi, that they would believe him, that they did believe him? Okay. Okay. So Rashi says, Rashi says, uh, in Pasuk Dalit, that those words, Geshuna Eli, come close to me, reflect Yosef's need to come close to his brothers. So I want to, I want to tell a, a story based on what we've read and what we have learned. Like Yosef, Yosef had some sense of what he was doing in Egypt that enhanced the notion of Am Yisrael. Besides the fact that he was, he was feeding the world, which for Jewish history is totally irrelevant because Yosef was not acting as a Jew feeding the rest of the world. Yosef was the second to the king of Egypt. He could have been an Egyptian, he could have been an Ethiopian, he could have been an African, he could have been anything. It didn't matter. The fact that he was successful at what he was doing, true, meant that God was on his side. But in the world, he did not have a, a, a Jewish persona. Nobody <coughs> knew that he was the son, of, the son of Yaakov. Nobody knew that he was the son of Yaakov. Nevertheless, Yosef had a clear idea that what he was doing was part of the formation of Am Yisrael. And that that formation of Am Yisrael could only be accomplished with his father Yaakov. And so Yosef says to his brothers, Ani Yosef, right? You see in... in uh, what? Meaning, I can only do 
what I have been placed in Egypt to do if I have my father with me. Ha'od avichai. That's what he said to the brothers. He said, the brothers, you brothers, you're irrelevant. You're irrelevant to this. And what is it, I mean, if we would jump to the next parish, what is it that Yosef accomplished that only he could accomplish with his brother, with his father? What is the thing that Yosef did that only Yosef could do, apparently? I know that de facto. With his father. He brought B'nai Israel to what? Mitzrayim. He brought B'nai Israel to Mitzrayim. Okay. But he didn't have to do that with his father. He could have left his father in Eretz Canaan. His father could have died, like Avram died and Yisak died and Yaakov died. That was what the what Rashi says by Yeshev Yaakov. means that Yaakov thought his job had been done. He was finished. He was finished. He went to Chutzaretz. He met up with Lavan. He married the women he married. He had the children he had. Finally, he escaped from that. He came back to Eretz Israel. He confronted Esav. He wrestled with the, with the angel. He, he was finished. He came back to Eretz Israel. He lived in the diaspora. This is what Ramban says. That, that, that Yaakov became a model in Jewish history. The model was that we could go into the diaspora and live through it. We had the, we had the genetic input from Yaakov. So when Yaakov came back to Eretz Yisrael, Rashi says, that Yaakov thought his days of creating the people were over. Along comes Yosef, and Yosef says, Ha'od avichai. And Ha'od avichai means, I need him. I need, I need, what? To get the blessing, the continued blessings? I don't know. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Because you mean? Then why does he need him? Why does he need to bring him? So yes. So that if he's not there, then, then he can't pass on the blessing. Which That's blessing? Abraham Yitzchak. Abraham To the next generation. He blesses, he blesses them all. See, okay. Huh. You, could, you could probably, that's probably okay. But I say, what I thought was the thing, no, he needed Yaakov because Yaakov's first job in Mitzrayim was to make the sons of Yosef tribes in Israel, to make them his children. And it was a, this is a remarkable thing. Mm-hmm. This is a remarkable thing that the children of Yosef, Ephraim and Menashe, became the children of Yaakov. And that's how Am Yisrael was created. Am Yisrael was created because being the child was enough. That's what, that's what did it. That gave you a permanent red. This was a, a chidush. I mean, it goes against Abraham, it goes against Yitzchak. Right? Avraham kicked out Yishmael and Yitzchak kicked out Esau. Right? You, you didn't, you know, pass muster. You were not in. You were out. Yaakov and Yosef together changed that and created a new world in which everybody who was in the family was in the family. And Shimon Velevi who acted against 
against uh, uh, Yaakov's wishes, his clearly stated desires and wishes, where they went and they killed all the people in Shechem, they were in. And even though Yaakov, when he blessed the tribes, his children, he said about Shimon Levi, Imagine a father saying that about children. I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want to be involved with them. And yet, they were not excluded. This was the, 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 the world of Yaakov and Yosef. And so Yosef says to his brothers, Yosef's brothers here, Ani Yosef. Ani Yosef, and then he like looks beyond them. He says, I'm not interested in all of you standing here. Ha'od avi chai. I have something to do with my father. I have something to do with my father. And, and it's interesting also, I think, in the next week's parasha, that Yaakov asks, directs Yosef to bury him in Eretz Canaan. And Yosef has to actually go, you know, to do something that's very un um, monarchical. Monarchical? Monarchical. Monarchic? Monar I thought monarchical. Okay, whatever is the Monarchy. right word, the right version. He has to do something that kings do not do, right? As you saw. Kings don't, don't go bury people, but the, the, the idea that Yosef was the only one who could bury his father, the army of other tribes all came along, but it was only Yosef who could order it done, who could make it happen, who could do it, so that Yosef played a special role in the second half of Yaakov's life. And Yosef, together with Yaakov, created, created Am Yisrael. So that the response of Yaakov, of Yosef, 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 he looks at them, he looks out, they're all standing there. He says, you're not that, not that interested in you. I'm interested in, and then later on in Pasuk Hey, uh, Pasuk Dalit, by Yom Yosef, he says it again. He says, you know who I am? I am the one who accepts the, the oath brit, right? Mila, circumcision is called in the Torah an oath brit. An oath brit is a sign of, of being part of something, of inclu being included. That that's what Rashi says. That that's what he's trying to explain to his brothers. Why does Moshe, why does Yosef say, why does Yosef mention that? Because for the brothers, that became the issue. That became the issue. And what does Yosef say to them? Don't be unhappy. Don't be, uh, your eyes should not become uh, angered. Because I was sent by God before you to give life. Right? That's what Yosef did. He gave food and life to the entire to the entire world. So Yosef is now. First, Yosef said, "I need your father." Right? I need Yosef. That's that's the real issue. 
But the secondary issue is, what is my attitude to the brothers who sold me into Mitzrayim? So, I mean, the, the answer is self-evident because Yosef says, what am I doing in Mitzrayim? I'm saving the world. I'm obviously doing what God wants me to do. Right, so that brings up a question of what we call, uh, you know, Ashkecha Pratit and Sachara Onesh, right? These questions, uh, people generally, uh, it is the Jewish position has always been, the Jewish position has always been that there is Sachara Onesh. This is what the Ramban says at the beginning of his commentary on the Torah, that Sachara Onesh exists in the world. It's true that we don't always know how it works. We don't know how it works. You know, it's like, uh, to us, when we look around, it doesn't seem, it doesn't always seem that the good guys are rewarded and the bad guys are punished. But uh, you can make complicated structures which would make everything turn out okay. You know, like, if that's what you want to do. Uh, Some Rishonim, like the Rambam, the Rambam and, and others, other Yishayim as well, thought that Hashgacha Pratit, right, this kind of divine watchfulness is only partial, doesn't exist all the time, right? You can't run in front of a moving vehicle and say, if God wants me to live, I will live. Uh, you won't according to these Rishonim. According to these Rishonim. The, the Rambam says that Ashkecha uh, Pratit only exists for Am Yisrael and not for non-Jews. Uh, the Rambam himself says that there is also Ashkecha for um, uh, different creations that the creation should not disappear, even though we know that some creations do seem to disappear. But the Rambam says that that's also a kind of, of hashkacha that exists, that exists in, the, in the world. So along comes Yosef, and Yosef is teaching us something about hashkacha, which is a little hard to understand. And Yosef says this, he says, I'm here because God wants me to be here. The way that God determined that I would get here is that I would be sold into slavery by my brothers. So my brothers are innocent. There's nothing, there's nothing that to be guilty about. This is what, the, this is what the, he says. He says, Ata al te'atzu pasuk, hey, al te'atzu, don't be sad. Don't feel see bad in your eyes. God sent me. You didn't do anything wrong. You're just agents. You're agents of God. And therefore, everything is fine. God sent me before you in order that you should have some area, some place so that you should be able to exist to be able to get through this famine to live through, to live through it. So like Yosef is talking to the brothers as though the brothers 
had no part in what had what had happened. Now this is a uh, this is an idea. This is an idea that feel that that exists even in, in amongst Hasidic works that. Uh, you know that there's a there's a principle in halacha called ancient lidvara If somebody tells you to do something that is forbidden, do it for me. As I say, why could you go and uh, and uh, smash that guy's car? So you say you go and do it. They catch you, and you say, well, I'm just doing what he told me to do. It's not a defense. There's certain things, certain kind of information that is so obvious and so clear that you can't defend yourself by saying, I did it because he told me to do it, right? Even though the idea of shlichut does exist in halacha, right? You can be a shalich, to be a shalich, to do a mitzvah. You could be a shalich, a man could be a shalich to marry a woman on behalf of his friend if he sends him, for example. But ancient If you do it avera, you do it. Uh, you do it your, on your own, and therefore, therefore, even when when you're following somehow the divine directive, you're like doing what God wants. What's happening is what God wants to happen. Still, you can't do the wrong thing. You can't use that as the ultimate excuse. You know, a person will say, you know, it's true, we killed. Uh, we wanted to kill Yosef, but uh, but we didn't. Or we we threw him, we sold him because uh, uh, because we wanted to make money. That's what Yehuda said in the next it's in the next section. So that that Yosef is making an argument here, which is difficult to understand. But you you remember that when it comes to Yitziat Mitzrayim, Yitziat Mitzrayim, the Rishonim all asked the same question. Why were the Egyptians punished so uh, fiercely if they were just doing what God wanted them to do, which was to enslave the Jews? After all, that's what God told Avram Avinu. I, I told Avram, you, they're going to be enslaved and they'll be there for 400 years and, uh, and then they'll get out. So the Egyptians were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. And so it's not clear why they were punished so severely. Though the answer that the Rishonim give is that the Egyptians, yes, they were doing what God wanted them to do, but they went overboard. They didn't just do what God wanted them to do, but they did more. They made the slaves in Egypt suffer beyond what they were kind of contracted to make them suffer. So I don't know if that's a uh, if that's a good answer or not. I mean, I, I I have no way of determining. I mean, I'm not sure what difference it makes. I'm not sure what difference it makes. Whether let's say uh, you know that Malki Tzedek, Malki Tzedek, remember I've mentioned him several times this year, right? Malki Tzedek met up with uh, with Avram Avinu. After the war of the four kings with the five kings, with Abraham Avinu went to save Lot from being uh, being captured. So Malki Tzedek, was the one who said, "El Elyon, and that became the essential principle of Abraham Avinu's religious devotion. El Elyon, meaning there's only one God, one God above gods. 
right? There's only one. And konesha, mayim v'aretz, means a kind of dominion that God has over the created world. Which, of course, means that God created the world, the dominion of the world, but does that mean, does that mean that God has an ongoing involvement with the world? Maybe, maybe uh, there's just some kind of a, uh, a cheshbon, like at the end of a person's life, there's an evaluation made in the big adding machine in heaven, and you, you go to a good place or a less good place or not such a good place. You know, I, you know, why do you have to say that the Sakharva Onish principle is applied all the time? Maybe the Sakharva Onish only comes at the end of your days. So I don't know. I don't know about that. But there's no <laughs> doubt that Yosef is arguing to convince his brothers that they should not be afraid of him. And I think that again, what Yosef's problem is, that he wants them all to come back to Mitzrayim. And even though he's going to say, you know, bring, uh, I'm going to keep Binyamin, and that will be an incentive for, for our father to come back. He doesn't have a similar incentive for the brothers. Why would they, the brothers thought that he was going to kill them, the first opportunity that he had. Why would they come back? Why would the brothers come back? You know, okay, you know, Yaakov is safe because he's old and he's the father. But why would the others who were involved in the selling and, and, and uh, selling Yosef to the uh, Midianim, why would they come back to a sudden death kind of situation? So Yosef has to convince them that nothing terrible is going to happen to them. And the way he does it is by saying, look, I am a product of God's will. I'm here because God wants, not because you sold me. Now you sold me into, into slavery. I'm here because God wanted me to be here. So then uh, uh, he goes on and he says it further. Shlachani, Pasuk Zayin. Shlachani elokim lifneichem lasum lachem sheirit ba'aretz ulachayot lachem lifneitag dola. God sent me here to save you and to do what I did, you, my brothers, did not send me here, but it was God who sent me here. I'm here because God sent me. And then I became a father to Parola. I became a big shot. I was put in charge. I mean, that's the important thing. You didn't put me in charge. You, my brothers. All you did was sell me into Mitzrayim, which is what God wanted. But you could see that this whole process is directed by God because of the way it turned out. It turned out so well, so well for me. Then, Pasuktet, Baruva, Lula, Viva, Marta, Melav. So he says, now go to tell my father, come down to me. Now this was a difficult thing for Yaakov. It was, it was like Yosef said, I can't go to you because I'm the king. I, I can't just leave. I can't leave my job and come back to be with you. So you come down and be with me. You're, you're in retirement in any event. Pasuk Yud, Yashavta Beretz Goshen. 
Vayita Karov, Eli, you'll be in the, in the land called Goshen, and you'll be close to me. Ata uvanecho vnei banecha, bitzoncha, bikorcha, bikol ha-shelach. This is also implies that you'll be able to live your own life, because in Egypt, Tzon and Bakar had a special status, and in, in Canaan, they had a different status, and so it will be all right. It will be all right. Pasuk Yud. Pasuk Yud Aleph. V'chilkalti otcha sham. I will take care of you there. I will give you financial support. Ki otcha meishanim ra'av. Because the famine will go on for five more years. Penti varesh ata uveitcha v'kol ha'shelach. You'll become impoverished. You won't be able to have it. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough stuff. I'll have to support you. This is like a you see for yourself. You don't need further proof. And the eyes of my brother Binyamin it's my mouth that is speaking to you. I'm speaking in Hebrew, speaking in your in your language, in your language. And finally, a pasuk yud gimel, tell my father how much honor I have. I have received in Mitzrayim that kol everything that you saw. Quickly bring your father to me here. When Yossi said, that he had to betray me, it means that Yosef invented Malchut. Right? Yosef invented kingship in Am Yisrael. There was, there was a family. There were no kings in the family. Yosef was the first king, and he enabled kingship in Israel. He, Yosef, enabled kingship in Israel. And that's what, that's what he says. Pasuk Yudalit, He fell on the necks of Binyamin, his brother, and he cried. And Binyamin cried on his shoulders, on his necks. And then he kissed all his brothers. He, he cried. And then the brothers spoke to him. In other words, somehow Yosef had broken down the barrier between the brothers and Yosef after Yosef announced his, his great announcement. Ani Yosef. Ani Yosef. Uh, Okay. He never he never applies. He never says bring our father. For all the cases, it's exactly serious. He always says Avi. He never says Avinu. Oh, Avinu, hi. No, Oh, Avi. In other words, I'm just thinking. I'm saying that's his Kesha between Joseph and his father. They're not even part of it. It's not Avinu. It's Avi. All the cases here says a V. I think I think that's correct. I think that's correct, and and, and it's because there was a 
business that Yosef had with his father that excluded all the other all the others, and that was building the family. And that could only be done in Egypt because Yosef couldn't leave. He couldn't leave Egypt. And then you have the story about the crying and the kissing and the hugging, and, and you know there's this famous, the famous Rashi. Uh, Rashi says in Pasuk Yudalit, just do, do this last Rashi, He fell on the necks of Binyamin, his brother, and he cried. Al why tzavarav? Like plural. Tzavar is singular. Tzavarav is plural. So Rashi says, Al shnei mikdashot shatidim liyot b'chelkol shel binyamin b'sofol shel lecharev. So, so this either is connected to the story or it's not connected to the story. I think it is connected to the story. What is Rashi, what is Rashi uh, uh, trying to explain? Why the Hebrew word Savarav is used, which is a plural and not a singular. What, I mean, you, you, he fell on him and he, and he kissed him and he cried. What is it, Savarei Binyamin, like his necks? So Rashi says, You know that even though the Beit HaMikdash was largely in the area of Yehuda, right? The Kodesh Kodeshim, that small part of the Beit HaMikdash was in the Nachala of Binyamin. So that when Rashi, Rashi is saying something that is correct, of course, not the whole Beit HaMikdash, but the Kodesh Kodeshim part of the Beit HaMikdash, that is in the property of Binyamin. So that what, what, the way Rashi understands the story, the way that Rashi understands the story, suddenly, like this is happening, and that creates a future. Like there's a future. Uh, it will be as it should be. It, it, it's not necessary that Rashi is saying that, you know, uh, if, you, if a good thing happens, you should cry and make believe it's a bad thing. But it's rather that the Batein Mikdash, that the, the notion of Beit Mikdash and Churban Beit Mikdash, that notion, that notion is the future. That's what's going to be. So that's what Yosef and Binyamin created, that there's a future, that there is a future. There's a family and there's a future. If you go, we go on in, in that Rashi, Vachrechein, Vachrechein, Pasuk Tedvav, Vayishak v'kol echad v'yivkeleev, Vachrechein dibru it achiv ito. They all spoke to each other. They were now beginning the family. Rashi says, He saw that they were crying, that Yosef was crying, and his heart was with them. They spoke to him, They spoke to him, 
First they were embarrassed. They moved back. They didn't see themselves as part of the family of the future. But now they came close to him and they spoke to him. Finally, the sound was heard in the house of Paro, that is to say, the brothers of Yosef have come. And this was seen as a good thing by Paro and by his slaves. Uh, Rashi says, Bayit Mamash. We're talking about here, the word Bayit, Rashi says, is a real building, a real house, whereas before it was the people, the people in the house. Okay, so I have two, two sources. I mean, I think, I think that, um, I, I mean, I tried to make the point. There's the family, there's the future, there's Yaakov and Yosef, like what they can do together to make this family happen. I just want you to see uh, the I have uh, the Svat Emet and the Shem Mishmur. So in the reverse, reverse chronological order, we we'll start from the Shem Mishmur. The Shem Mishmur quotes a medrash. If you look at under the Shem Svat Emet, there's three lines of the Medrash. So just look at the Medrash. Rabbi Loza ben Azariah Omer. Oy lanu miyom hadin. Oy lanu miyom hatochachar. You know, we're a little nervous about how things are going to turn out. That's the yom hadin and yom hatochachar. Uma Yosef hatzadik shehu basar betvadam. Yosef was righteous. He was like a person. When he uh, spoke harshly to his brothers, they were unable to put up with it. But who is the judge, the, the ultimate judge and the decider, he says, so certainly we should be afraid of the judgment day that is going to come. That no human being can stand before God in judgment. So now the Svatamet. You see the Svatamet? The Svatamet says, hashpatim. He says, why was it that the Shvatim Nivhalumi Panav. If you look if you just look at the at the text again. Pasukimu, you see Pasukimu? Bayomi Yosef Lechava ni Yosef Vichaiblua Nototo. Ki nifhalumi panav. That's what the Pasuk says. They were afraid. So from the continuation of the story, they were afraid that Yosef was going to punish them. Until Yosef told them, no, no, I'm not going to punish you. It's okay. God put me here. I feel good about, about everything, right? But what's the... So, so the question that the Svatamet is referring to is, ki nifalu mipanav. So now go back to the Svatamet. The Svatamet says, ma'ashin uh, nifalu hashvatim, what they were afraid of. 
נראה על ידי שנתגלה הארת יוסף היה הבושה מה שטעו בקדושת יוסף again, the same line again מה שנבהלו השבטים what they were afraid of or what caused them fear נראה על ידי שנתגלה הארת יוסף suddenly they became, became aware of the light within Yosef that was what that was the busha that Rashi referred to the great embarrassment that they felt when they saw Yosef Yosef They made a mistake about the sanctity of Yosef. They thought he was a regular person. They thought his dreams didn't mean anything. They thought they could just sell him like selling anybody else. Shetau b'kedushat Yosef al yedei ha-hester. It was hidden from them who Yosef really was. So you see that the Svatemet, I'll just stop for a second, but the Svatemet he changes it he says they weren't afraid of what was going to happen they weren't embarrassed because Yosef looked so good and, and important they had a profound embarrassment that what they knew at this moment they didn't know heretofore they were after all the children of Yaakov and Yitzchak and Abraham and they should have been able to, to, uh, to know that Yosef was special. But they didn't know that Yosef was special, so they were embarrassed. And that's the busha that we're talking about, which will make itself known in the future. It will make known. when we will learn that the world is Balei Kiddusha, that if you know, only just know how to look at it, if you're able to, 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 to absorb it, you will understand that the world, right? Olam HaTzeh, the physical world, Melo Kiddushat Bepnimiyut, that somehow the internal reality of Olam HaTzeh is Kiddusha. Vizehu Ikar Habusha. And that's what I mean, and that's what Rashi meant when Rashi said, Busha, embarrassment. Shetzarich liyot la'adam, kshemivarer la'atzmo. It's the busha that a person should have about himself. Shebekol davar yesh chiyut Hashem yitbarach, that in every single thing, there is the life force that comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Veich nuchal na'asot, And how is it possible that we could do actions that contradict the will of God? And generally speaking, that Yosef was not enticed by Potiphar's wife, right? He refused to sleep with her, and he was Shomer Habrit, 
Right? He was the one who is considered to be the watcher of the covenant that was made with Avram Avinu, who nikudat nimiyut, nikudat brit, ubitul ha'orla, shehu chitzoniyut. He says he, he, he neutralized the distinction between the exterior and the interior, the chafia brit canal. amar nivalu mipanav. So according to the Svat Emet, that what's happening is, uh, what's happening is not simply, uh, I'm afraid of what's going to happen to me, or I'm afraid of what Yosef is going to think he should do to us, but Panav was that they were consumed by fear that comes when you recognize something great standing before you that a minute ago you didn't recognize. That was the cause of the fear. As the cause of the fear is similar in some ways to the idea that service of God starts with yira, starts with fear. Fear comes from something that you couldn't imagine, that you didn't think. Like fear is an interesting thing, right? Children, little children, are afraid of going into dark places or unknown, unknown places. But once you get to know the place, the fear, the fear disappears. But Yirat Hashem is the ability to conjure up that feeling all the time, whenever you need it, whenever you, you should do it, so that the people who were standing before Yosef suddenly realized who Yosef was. It wasn't just, it wasn't, that's the, the, the position of, of the Svat, of the Svat, that ki nifalu, ki nifalu the Shemi Shmuel continues the idea, even though the Shemi Shmuel continues the idea and, and, and says that it's connected to Panav. It's connected to Panav, that there are several references to Panit reflecting the essence of a person. You know that the Gemara says that there are no two people who have the same face. And therefore, the face of a person is what tells you the most about that person, if you know how to read it. You have to know how to read the face, not just automatic. So he says, Suddenly they looked at Yosef and they saw somebody that they had never seen, that they had never seen before. So according to the Svatamet, the, uh, the fear that they had, was that that there was suddenly this recognition of Yosef as something that they refused to admit previously. Yosef had those dreams at the beginning of the parasha of Vayeshev, right? Remember the sun and the moon and the stars come to bow down to Yosef. The brothers didn't think anything of it. They didn't have the ability to see the, the greatness of Yosef through the dream through the dream that he had, and finally they're able to see it now in this, at, this, uh, at this time. So, the, uh, so we have those ideas. Ideas. There's Yosef and Yaakov. There's, uh, there's uh, Ephraim and Menashe. There's uh, Yaakov telling Yosef that he has to bury him in Eretz Kinah. There's uh, this idea that the children, even the worst of them, Shimon and Levi are not excluded anymore. And that was the great achievement 
of Yosef and Yaakov, and that's why Yaakov, Yosef said, Ha'oda Bichai. Okay, more or less. Uh, is, is that connected with the fact that we, we call ourselves, our people, yourself. It's okay, you'll do it. But I have a contract till 9 o'clock. Okay, we'll do it. Whoever wants to stay, I'll do it. I don't want to say no. There's no edition of the Shemesh Shemesh. But it, it does appear in the in the Bari line. So, you know, that's something. So if you look at the third line, we'll stop the third line, you see it says, mm-hmm. yeah. that somehow the Gemara says that, uh, that Yosef looked like Yaakov. Ziv Ikunin. Ikunin is an icon. Ziv is shiny. Here, the third line. And the, and the beauty of Yaakov was connected somehow to the beauty of Adam HaRishon. In spite of that, the the, the brothers did not recognize Yosef, despite the fact that he was special, that he had this special, these special things. And they thought of him as being a smart person, you know, like a non-Jewish smart person, you know, like a now and then a non-Jew wins the Nobel Prize. And it's certainly not easy for him, Yosef, to hide himself, to, to, to hide the fact that he's special. And certainly standing before people who are wise and righteous, like these Shvatim, the brothers, they certainly should have understood about, about, reading your, about reading your face, right? You should have understood that. Therefore, when he made himself known to them, you call so then the light that came out of his face was even greater, was even stronger, because they, they knew it was Yosef. It's like the natural for something that is contained, 
Kishahitparates Latsait, when it like blows up and tries to get out. Gadol, it comes out with greater force, Gadol Ma'od, Vayupanavadai Noraim Ma'od. So so he says he tries to explain that as long as Yosef didn't identify himself to them, they didn't know that it was Yosef. Right? They just thought it was a smart Egyptian. But then when he identified themselves, it's like, it's like uh, uh, the pressure in the pressure cooker blowing up. So then the light in his face came out with great intensity and then everybody saw it. Everybody saw who he was. He says, And that's what made them afraid. According to the Shemesh, what made them afraid was too much Yosef, too much clarity, too much understanding. They were not, they were not able to deal with that. Nivhal, and, and the reason the Pasuk uses that word, Nivhalu Mipanam, Ukimo Omeid Mishomeim Umitpael Leimor Mazot. It's like a person standing and saying, What's going on? Right? Behala. It's like causes you. Um, agitation. A minute ago, we thought he was a regular person, Yosef. And in a second, he turned into an angel, an angel of God, great, fearful, very. And that's what helped them to understand how mistaken they were. When they sold him, they thought of him as being Chayav Misa because he spoke Lashon Hara. He spoke Lashon Hara about all of the brothers, right? All, all, all of the brothers, Rashi. Mentions the mechuyav meitav. Vinehu ish ram vinisa vegava maod. He's a great man. He's high. He's mighty. He's great. Vayaha olam choshech pifnehem sheliishka zeasu vashasu. So they 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 couldn't understand any longer how they could have done to this person what they did to that. Person but they were not able to speak. They didn't have chutzpah to raise their heads. Right? We say What? What? In the Chadodi, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what? What's his? What's his point? So why? Why is Shabbat called Pinei Shabbat? So this is the face is the most expressive uh, feature that a person has that we can't always read it, but if you could read it, you'd know the level of sanctity or intensity or prophecy that that person is presenting, bringing to the table. And so the same thing is true about Shabbat. There is a Pnei Shabbat. Pnei Shabbat the Kabbalah. We're not just going to accept Shabbat, which usually means 
uh, negative prohibitions. We're not just going to uh, stick to the negative prohibitions, but we'll understand more about it by looking intensely at the panim of the Shabbat. That's what the, that's what he says. Okay. The the second part is the same as the Sfat of that. They did know he was an Israel. What? They knew he was a Jew. They knew Who's they? The Egyptians. Remember when they took him from prison? They said, they said, oh, that Ibri, you know, that, that who was in jail. Yeah, but Ibri just means he came, me Ava, Anahar. You sure it did? That's not what it means. And he didn't keep his, I always learned that he kept his identity. But like, like you say, I can't argue. Yeah. I can't argue that it's that, but I don't think that at that time there was a definition called, it was a nation called Ivrim. Well, he spoke Ivrim, right? So? Well, everybody in Canaan spoke something like Canaanite. Not in the Mitzrayim. No, not in Mitzrayim, but there were other people who came from Canaan to get food, I imagine. And they were the same. So you think that the Mildota Ivriot were just no, that's when they lived in Eretz Goshen and was clearly a separate group in Mitzrayim. I mean, and they spoke their own language. That's why they lived in Eretz Goshen. So they were Miyaldo de Briot. Certainly, but I don't know that Ivri had, had another meaning. I mean, Chazal say that the Avot kept all the mitzvot of the Torah. Maybe that's why they said it. In other words, they had to identify themselves. Like that. The hat's part of your uh, policing. Oh, no. It's what? For my brother-in-law. The Israel bomb is golf and tennis outing. Twenty years ago. Bye bye. Rashi thinks that Yosef knew about this instruction. Was it Miriam? Miriam Slicha. Is Rashi implying that Yosef had the word that he knew about destruction of both Beit Hamikdash? I don't know what Rashi thought. But so when I read it, it sounds to me like Binyamin and uh, Yosef established the future. But, but he, he's saying that he cried over his two shoulders because of the destruction. So which, which means if, if, it seems like Yosef knew then. That's why, and how would he, uh, uh, the Nebuah that he would know, have no way of knowing. Rashi, it's a strange Rashi because Rashi gives you much more pshat. And, um, and this doesn't sound like Pshat. No, but sometimes Rashi is interested in, in the words. He's saying, what he's saying is, I, uh, that's what the word means. That why, uh, right. The use of the plural is something that's worth considering. But just interested in that Yosef, I mean, why would Yosef be given the Vua about destruction of the two bits? There's no reason Yosef would, have, would be given that in the Vua. Uh, you could invent a reason. I don't think that's so difficult. You know, like Yosef. 
and when Chagall made the windows. Like, like Rashi said, Yosef, that Binyamin's only unique feature in the family of Yaakov was that the Beit HaMikdash was in his proper right. It was a very small tribe, apparently covered a very small area, but they did have that. Right. So, by crying, it was like, like saying that, uh, that Binyamin assumed his role. But then Yosef would have already known this, Meiros. It's a stretch to me. Unless you say that he got to get the rule, but then the question, I would, I would just... The question... It's an interesting question. It's an interesting... Yeah, we know it also from Right. Yeah. 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 Y